My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Last week, as we journeyed through this idea of the book of Acts, we hit upon Paul going to a place in Athens. And as I was thinking about this this last week, I thought about the fact that, you know, it takes a lot of people to do ministry. It took a lot of people for Paul to be the Apostle Paul. And I was just dwelling and meditating on a passage of scripture that uh, Paul wrote to one of the churches he planted. We saw that a few weeks ago in Philippi. He wrote a letter called Philippians, and he said these words, and I just love it. He said this, I thank my God every time I remember you. And I've been doing that. I know all of our pastors and staff have been doing that, our small group leaders. We have been thanking God when we think about you. Uh, We only have the visual images in our mind right now. We can't see you face to face, but we're thanking God when we remember you. Paul says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Um, I have a daily prayer list and a daily time with God. I get up early in the morning and I pray through the church, the list and the prayers. Let us know about those prayers because those are really important to us. They're faithful opportunities to pray. He says, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. I love that. There is a fellowship. There is a relationship. There is a partnership. When you think about a business partnership, it's one or two or more people. They come together and they gather together and they form this business, this endeavor where they're all a part of the partnership. And Paul's remembering the Philippians. He's remembering maybe the slave girl that was rescued from demonic activity. Maybe Lydia, who is that faithful seller of purple that was one of the leaders in the church. He's remembering them and their gifts and their contribution. And he's remembering how they participated then and ongoing in in the ministry. And he says, we are partners in the gospel. Now, why this struck me is simply this, is that is still the truth today. We at Sunrise Church, we're partners in the gospel. In a month, on the weekend of May 3rd, Sunday, May 3rd, we will have been, as a church, established for 40 years. It's our 40-year celebration. I don't know if we'll be able to actually meet and celebrate by then, but the fact is, is that it's taken many, many, many partners to make Sunrise Church work. You may see me up here preaching, Pastor Taylor, Pastor Shane. You may see Aaron, Pastor Aaron, or you know any of our worship leaders You may see people behind the scenes. You may see people in the office. And I I get that, that we're employed by the church to do this as shepherds and leaders. Uh, But the reality is it takes everybody to be a part of the gospel. 
this good news message that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him would have eternal life and not perish. That is not one person. And it wasn't one person with Paul. It was everybody. And Paul says, I think about you and I praise God for you for the partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's in prison right now. Talk about isolation. Talk about COVID-19 on steroids. Paul cannot connect with him. He is separated by miles. It takes months for a letter to be delivered. He is alone. And in his mind, when he closes his eyes, he remembers them and he just smiles and he thanks God for them. That's what we're doing right now. That's what I've been doing. Even though we can't be together, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that is our hope. And that is our reality that even though we're not together, God is still working on you. He's still doing things in your life. He is still challenging you in the faith. The reality is for you and for me is that it takes a family. It takes every member of the family. It takes every part to be partners in the gospel. I see that in Washington County right now. I see the opportunities that Sunrise Church, whether together or alone, independent, we are being the body of Christ. There's a lot of fear there's a lot of anxiety. In fact, you might even be experiencing that right now. You might even be wondering about your job. Maybe your job has just given you a pink slip. You might be wondering about rent. You might be wondering about assistance. You might get excited about the CARES Act that's going to bring some money, but that might just be a short-term fix for you. And, and you might just wonder about months from now. You know, the reality is we are in this together, family. And we want to walk with you. We want to pray with you. Do not carry your burden alone. Cast it on the Lord and cast it on us because we are a family. Not only are we partners here inside the church, we're partners in our community. We've partnered with the school district. We've partnered with the city. We've partnered with the county. We've partnered with all the opportunities in the Department of Corrections. And we still get to do ministry. And I believe that even some of our great days are ahead of us with our partnership opportunities. Well, as I said last week, the Apostle Paul boldly marched into Athens, the philosophical capital of the world at the time. And he went up to this place called the Acropolis, where all the religious statues were. And he was deeply distressed because people were worshiping empty idols, empty, worthless things. And then he headed down to the, uh, the little marketplace called the Agora. And he hung out with people and he talked to people and he opened up with conversations about Jesus. And there were so many conversations that were coming. The elite invited him to come up to a place called the Areopagus, which is Mars Hill, and have a conversation. And he boldly shared the message of Jesus Christ. And some people believed it. And I still believe that's true today. It could be that you know, in this week or even in this message, that there's something that God pricks in your heart to cause you to actually believe that Jesus is truly the son of God. It's why we do everything we do at our church. And if you have questions about that, I'd love to respond to that. You could email pastors at isunrise.com and we will get on that and we will talk with you. Although we can't meet you necessarily directly with six feet of separation. The fact is, is that what's going on in your heart right now if you're burdened with anxiety and fear, it really matters. And God can use that to comfort you and draw you to himself. As Paul left Athens, he headed a few miles away to a very important town of its day called Corinth. And Paul set up shop and he ministered for 18 months, a year and a half, in a little town called Corinth. And this is a, a little bit 
of what it says in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 3. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, just as he was. Now, the city of Corinth was very strategic. I've got a, a shot that I took here on uh, my, my trip. Uh, was, it's a beautiful place. Obviously, as an archaeological site, there's not a whole lot left. They've propped some towers up. This is part of the Temple of Apollo. Way high up on this Acro-Corinth, this Acropolis high up there on the hill, was the Temple of Aphrodite. And uh, down here are the remains of several key things in the story of the New Testament. Paul's writings, the Bema Seat, an inscription to Erastus. All these things parallel what Paul was experiencing, give you confidence with the Bible because it's embedded in stone and it's right there. And the reality is this city was a commercial success. It was a wealthy city. It was a financial hub. And anytime you have all that commerce and all that finance, you also have a lot of immorality. You have a lot of corruption. And the reputation for Corinth was so bad that it was said that if you were a bad person, you had been Corinthianized. It's kind of like something about saying, oh, you're going to Las Vegas, right? We all know in our heart. I mean, that's why the Raiders went there, right? Las Vegas, it's the worst of the worst. And I guess I'm still a fan of the Raiders. But the fact is is that when you go to Vegas, you know you've reached the low of the low. It's absolutely perverse. Now, the reality is the gospel shows up even in those places, though. And the truth of the matter is, is that when you're at the bottom, it's a great time to look up. Corinth had an enormous city for its day and was a religious hub. It worshipped this goddess right here, Aphrodite. Uh, This is the only picture I could find of a statue where she was wearing clothes because this is a family-friendly worship service. And Aphrodite was the goddess of beauty, the goddess of passion, the goddess of desire, the goddess of pleasure. Her temple was high above the city on that mountain, that Acropolis area just outside. And her city was known in history, Greek history records, that they employed a thousand young priestesses who were actually prostitutes. You would go up to the temple of Aphrodite and you would participate in sexual acts. And that was your worship of the goddess of pleasure. And so it was a very corrupt city. Corinth was famous for some things, too, outside of that. They hosted an Olympic-type games called the Isthmian Games, and it brought tourists in droves. This is an old woodcut that describes what it looked like because the Apostle Paul used a lot of athletic imagery when he wrote. And the Isthmian Games had been on hiatus for 10 years, and they showed up the year Paul moved to Corinth. Some Bible commentators speculate maybe that is why he went there. Because not just tourists would go there, but he was a tent maker and he needed to find some employment. Um, Paul used a lot of athletic imagery, would talk about boxing or running and things like that. Uh, And the uh, end result of winning these games was that you were given a wreath made of celery stock, of the, the end of the celery and uh, I, I came down yesterday, and I walked down in the kitchen. My wife was cutting some celery, and I just laughed at her, which I had to explain afterwards, um, because the end of that, the leafy part of the celery, was gathered together, twisted together, and made in a wreath. And then when the Apostle Paul says that we are not going to get a wreath that's perishable, he describes that. Oh, great, you win a competition in the games, but the reality is it's just dried up the next day. Paul says... Because we overcome, 
through Jesus, we will get an imperishable wreath, a crown of godliness. So Paul was, was aware of the games. He probably took advantage of the games to make tents. Um, tent making was a common uh, practice in that day, working with leather. And um, the, the games were basically in honor of Poseidon, uh, the goddess, god of the sea. Uh, Poseidon, because there were two uh, canals there and two uh, seas there on either side. Uh, the sea was a very important thing for them. And so as Paul moved into Corinth, he met a couple partners. He met Aquila and Priscilla, and they were also tent makers, workers of leather. This is a, a Roman a reconstruction of a tent that would have been used by the military or by people in the games for staging and activities. And so Paul would have basically made a tent like that. And he did it to, you know, just gather money to be made so that he could continue his ministry. Uh, Even today, if you're in Christian ministry, whether you're a pastor, a missionary, or some kind of, you know, worker in the mission field opportunity of the church, and if you work a full-time job or a part-time job, you're called a tent maker. And that's where this comes from. Because Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, they set up shop. And they rented one of the storehouses. This is uh, another shot of Corinth. This is a little bit further down. You can still see the uh, Acro Corinth or Acropolis up there where the Temple of Aphrodite was. But this is on the main street where all these shops were that lined the street. And in all likelihood, Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, they would have just rented one of these little storefronts and they would have made tents and they would have sold them for the Isthmian games or the military passing through and they would have made it. They would have made a living. Now, This is how Paul lived. But what Paul's passion was, was sharing the gospel. Take a look at this. It says, each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. Now, I don't know what your job is. I don't know what your occupation is. I don't know what your hobbies are. But are those the core of your life? Or are those the means to get to the purpose of your life, which is sharing the gospel? That's how Paul lived. Every dollar, every scrap, everything was focused on one message, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And that God so loved you that he gave his son Jesus. And so Paul would go into the synagogue as a Jew, Priscilla and Aquila, they were Jews too. They would go and they would argue convincingly the Jews and Greeks, the God-fears. After Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. At some point in Paul's 18 months in Corinth, the Jewish leaders just got upset because Paul was telling all the Jews that Jesus was the true Messiah. If you continue to read in the chapter, you see a little bit about the scuffle and a little about uh, the governor, the proconsul, and what he's going and what he's doing there. But the truth is, is that Paul was met with a lot of opposition, but he pushed through. And then it says, he went and went, he left and went to the home of Titus Justus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. And so this little church was born because of some persistent effort by Paul and his partners in the gospel. But God didn't leave him alone. God didn't leave him without hope. It says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack and harm you. 
for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. I love this. I, I don't know what fears, I don't know what emotions, I don't know what challenges you're experiencing. I know life is not normal in this day and age and it won't be for a while. We have no idea. The future is uncertain other than the fact that God is still on the throne. But I love what God said to Paul because I think he still speaks like that to you and to me. Don't be afraid. Friends, there is no reason for you to be afraid. Uh, Maybe you're sick. Maybe you've got the flu. Maybe you don't know if you have coronavirus. Maybe you have family members who have it. Maybe you have friends who have it. It's spreading around our county. The truth is, you don't need to be afraid because God is with us. He says, speak out, don't be silent. Use this as a window of opportunity to share the gospel, to talk to your neighbors, to talk to people as you go out and do the essential things that you do to live and survive. As you communicate with people on the phone, don't be afraid, don't be silent. Speak out about the gospel message. God says he's with you and no one will attack and harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. You are not alone. There are a lot of people in your situation. One of the tactics of the enemy, the devil himself, is to convince you that what you're going through is just your own issue and you tend to isolate. And I know we have to physically isolate, but the reality is you are not alone because everybody else is going through what you're going through right now. So cry out, call out to God, call out to us. We would love to be a part of your journey. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Well, a little bit about the, the city of Corinth that I think is, is really important to understand when you think about Paul's writing when he writes here and when he writes in First Second Corinthians. Um, they were known specifically for worshiping Aphrodite, but they were also known for worshiping another god called Asclepius. Asclepius was an, an, an older guy who always walked around with a staff, a rod, and a snake that was uh, curled around that staff. He was known as the god of healing and the god of health and the god of medicine. And in fact, even today, the symbol for medicine is the Asclepian staff with the snake around it. That's what it is. Well, if you were sick, And if you had a need, you would go to the Asclepion or the hospital, as it were. You would go to the place there and you would beg this God to heal you. You would present an offering to this God. And you know what the offering would be? It would be the part of the body that symbolizes your issue, your illness. Uh, When I was in Corinth uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, there's a museum there and they have all these body parts that they had uncovered from the Asclepion. The Asclepion itself was kind of like a country club at times. It was kind of like a gathering place with multiple recreational and dining rooms. And you would come and in their own language, you would dine at the table of the God. And you would beg the God to heal you. And you would offer a votive or a statue of what you needed help in. In Corinth, social events, lifestyles, personalities, the media of the day, the 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 Hollywood of the day, everybody would gather because they would come to make a connection to honor this God. No wonder when you read 1st and 2nd Corinthians and you read about Paul taking so much time to talk about sexual instructions and corruption and boasting and avoiding the table and the meat that's offered to these idols. No wonder Paul had to write so much correction because everywhere you would go in this city, you would be immersed in immorality. It It was like showing up in Vegas. Now with these body parts in mind, One day as Paul was writing them, 
as he was writing his letter, his first letter that we have recorded, 1 Corinthians, he took this imagery of the Asclepion and the body parts that needed healing and what people would do to gather them. And I just imagine in his mind's eye, he looked at these pile of body parts and this is the image. In fact, this is what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's us. That's you. We are the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some are Gentiles. Some are slaves. Some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, I know that sounds kind of odd, but if the foot could talk, I am not a part of the body because I am stuffed in this Nike or Adidas shoe wrapped up in a sock, right? If the foot were to say, I'm getting tired of being the walker. If the foot were to say, I don't get any glory because I want to be a hand that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm sick and tired of this music. I'm tired of listening to this. I don't want to listen to you anymore. I don't want to be that person. I'm stuck on this side. People comment about how big they are. I don't like it. I want to be something else. It doesn't become any less a part of the body because it's not an eye. Would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, which is kind of funny looking, right? Uh, it reminds me of Monsters, Inc. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? He goes on to say this. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And here, this is important. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And he closes with these words. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. I think that is no more relevant than any part of my day and age than right now. Every part of the body, even though we're scattered, even though we may look like this, every part of us is a part. Whatever you are, wherever you are, whatever ministry you have, don't stop that. If you're a small group leader, if, if you're someone who is regularly praying for people, if you're regularly communicating with people in need, if you're somehow discipling someone, if, if you do it in a group or you do it alone, whatever that is, you are essential in this body. It takes all the parts of the body to be in a partnership with the gospel. And when Paul thanked the Philippians for the partnership in the gospel, the reality is, is that every person played a part. And my friends, you play a part at Sunrise Church. Even though you're homebound, even though you're isolated, even though you seem disconnected, even though we have to stay six feet apart and we have to stay home and stay healthy, I get all that. But the truth is we're we're even more the body than before because each part is significant. Throughout Paul's ministry, he had key partners in the partnership of the gospel. And that enabled him to do everything he did. All the amazing things Paul did wasn't because he was doing them alone. It's because he had partners. 
I mean, just a few of them recorded in his letters were Luke and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and John Mark and Aquila, Priscilla, Apollos, Lydia, Epaphras. If you read all of Paul's letters and the valedictions at the end, you will see he had almost 40 people that played a significant, a critical part in partnership in the gospel. At Sunrise, I've been here 26 years and there have been so many partners in the gospel. So many people, I can just close my eyes and I see their faces. I know their names. I know their stories. I know their journeys and their struggles. But we are all a part of the gospel. I mean, think about it. How could an obscure Jewish rabbi basically take the gospel to the entire world? He didn't have a smartphone. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have television. He didn't have radio. He didn't have the printing press. He didn't have a post office to send out bulk mailers. There was no rapid transportation system. There were no modern highways. There were no trains, planes, or automobiles. All he could do was walk or take a ship. All he could do was write a letter and hope it got there a month later. But in spite of all these significant limitations, and they were many, Paul pulled it off. And Paul launched the gospel message to the entire Gentile world. But he didn't do it alone. He did it with partners. Paul was not a one-man show. Paul had a team of people surrounding him that were committed to the ministry as much as he was. Paul always worked through a team. There's no lone ranger in Christianity, my friend. There's no lone wolf that's ever going to make a difference. But when we come together, we are partners in the gospel. And as much as we're separated right now physically, we're a part of something that God is doing that's really great in Hillsborough and Washington County. Every part is needed. That means you are needed. And I know you're on the receiving end right now of a Facebook Live message. But man, we want to partner with you. It may be that you need to give. Maybe you need to get Maybe you need to give some ministry to someone. Maybe you need to receive some ministry. You can check out our Facebook page. You can check out our isunrise.com page. We've kind of resplashed that. Some great resources for you to even now in the midst of separation and isolation be an even more important part of the body that you've never been before. If you just go to the page there, we'd love you to know that you are a part. And so I want to pray for you as our worship team regathers as we finish this service. I just want you to be reminded that it's all because of the gospel of Jesus. So Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for what you've done in us. I've been privileged to be here just nearly 26 years at Sunrise. 40 years ago, there are people that are they're still here from 40 years ago that are partners, essential partners in the gospel. Maybe some people just showed up and just moved in. Maybe they're just watching online and this is as close as they've gotten so far. But Father, all of us together, we are the body of Christ in Washington County. Amongst all the other amazing churches that are here, Father, we are the body of Christ. And every part is important. Not one part is non-essential. Every part is necessary. And every part needs to be healthy and every part needs to be functioning. And that means we need to be thinking about not just how to make a living, but how to live with purpose. And that purpose is the gospel. And as we partner together in the gospel, Father, the word, the message of Jesus goes out. The message that you loved us so much that in spite of our sin and our brokenness, you came in the form of Jesus. God in a human body who lived a perfect life, taught, showed us how to live, loved and cared for the least, the last and the lost, and then died on a cross to carry our sins, to cover over all of our sinfulness. And then didn't just die, but was buried to prove he was dead. And then three days later, he rose again 
And as he rose again, he appeared. And we know he rose because he appeared to many people, 500 at one time. And he appeared over and over and over again. And the gospel message exploded that we could have new life in Jesus Christ because he has conquered death. He has conquered the grave. And Father, I just thank you that that power still flows through us with the resurrection, that even now, Someone watching, someone listening, someone participating from afar could see that their part in the partnership is critical and that they would begin to pray and they would begin to move and they would begin to act and they would begin to give and they would begin to step out of their comfort zone and their part would be healthy because only when we all do that do we have a healthy body. In the midst of sickness, in the the midst of struggles, in the midst of separation, Father, we are the body of Christ. We are the partners in the partnership. And God, we thank you that you are the one that's drawn us together. May this day and this week explode the gospel into our community to love our neighbors as we would love ourselves. We pray in Christ's name.